Welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Good morning. I'm Alexi Lauschkin, a member here at Corpus Christi Anglican Church. Glad to be with you this morning. Our passage is from the lectionary out of the Gospel of Mark. The last two weeks we've been in the Gospel of Mark, and we are back at it. I have the joy of going through the easy passages. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. So it's a joy for me to to be considering these passages with you this morning. Our readings throughout, if you noticed the Old Testament reading, we could hear Moses saying, did I birth all these people? And the Lord replying, I will give the spirit that I've given you to others to help you out. And the psalm passage, we hear are and are entreated and we're invited to let the word enter into our heart, to meditate on it. And in James, we are again exhorted to flee from evil. All of these pieces, all of these scriptures in our readings this morning talk to us about What does it mean to live life in the spirit? What does that look like? What does that mean in our day to day? And these teachings out of the gospel of Mark push us in this direction. Before I get to the meat and where I'll spend the bulk of my time, I want to uh, review with you these early verses. John said to him, teacher, We saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. You may be wondering what is going on here. Why would they try to stop him? Well, they're not a part of the core set at this point. But Jesus says something surprising. Do not stop him. For one who does a mighty work in my name will be soon afterward... will not be able to speak evil of me, for the one who is not against us is for us. And I just want to pause there. In two weeks, we will be at a meeting in the morning at Springfield United Methodist Church. And this topic of how do we relate to other Christians is a complex one for us in our society, in our day-to-day. It's a, you know, is a, is a Catholic a fellow Christian? Is a Pentecostal a fellow Christian? Is a United Methodist a fellow Christian? And these words of Jesus help us out here. The one who is not against us is for us. Gives us a very practical teaching. And it goes on and says, Truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. I'm going to tie these two thoughts together. If you're an Anglican here this morning, you may have heard of Bishop N.T. Wright. One of the things that he reflects on 
is that in some way our works on the earth will follow us if they are in Christ into the life to come. He ties in the sense of generational faithfulness with our, with our actions in Christ. And one thing I'd like us to think about as we head in two weeks to Springfield United Methodist Church is there is a whole generation of saints who lived at that church, day-to-day saints who prayed and ministered in the name of Jesus. And through the current church's gracious hospitality to us, we get to join in that throng of people who have faithfully ministered the gospel at that church in different times. And we get to be part of a new chapter in that age. On a personal note, as um, our family has been a part of ACNA church plants since we've been in this area. And it is a bit of a miracle that we're meeting in the morning at nine o'clock in a big enough space. We're in a space right now, you can kind of see it, it's a tabernacle, right? This is the space. Unfortunately, if we met here every week, we'd have some problems when it snows. (laughs) We'd have some problems when it was very windy. And so where we are, the provision of space, I, I thought to myself, you know, I grew up mainline Protestant, I came to a deeper faith in Jesus, in a charismatic tradition, and I thought, ooh, in two weeks I'll literally be worshiping at the largest church I've ever worshiped at. (laughs) And so we give thanks for what God might do through this. And we thank the leadership at Springfield United Methodist Church, and we pray for them. And the good news is Jesus is our guide. Whoever is not against us is for us. It gives us an ability to be gracious to pray, and to see what God will do in the next two weeks in the season of our life. All right, that's the easier part. Now we get into the more complex verses. Uh, we, we, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the, the, the little ones in a moment, but if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Well, friends, um, there's so much we, we could do with, with these teachings, but I, I want to start with that Jesus is, is deeply concerned about what I would say a, is a modern concept of, of the integrity of our witness. He's concerned with the integrity of our witness in our day-to-day life. So concerned that if it is obvious to you that you are sitting and you're not putting attention to your sin, then the injunction, the teaching here is don't neglect the sins that so easily catch, have captivated you. I think about um, my father growing up, and he's still uh, with us, um, but there was a phase in his life where he had, he had a boss who was particularly evangelical. But the boss had an anger problem. And so at the one hand, he would tell my dad, oh, I'm such a holy man, such a good Christian. And at the other hand, he would be angry and brutal. For my dad, it caused him to say, what what does his faith mean to him if he's telling me about his faith, but he hasn't addressed his anger, right? And in our day-to-day, in our air, in our age that we live in, in Washington, D.C., and in the lives that we live, um, hypocrisy, lack of integrity, is a major part of 
how others around us view us. So what is it like to have that spirit of Christ? What is it like to have that spirit of living with the, with the living God? Part of that spirit is being aware of the obvious sins, or maybe the not so obvious sins, where we need some feedback to say, okay, we need to put some attention to this area of our hearts, to this area of our lives. So I want to give us a practical, because uh, a lot of times when we hear teaching around this verse, we often gravitate, and the preaching often gravitates to, to lust. Different teachings around lust, and that's an important topic. But I want to throw us in a different direction, which is if your social media feed causes you to sin, <laughs> log off, delete the accounts. If your texts cause you to sin, stop texting, refrain. And why am I going there? Well, social media has become, I, I was reading a meme this week and it said, oh, now, now I know why I didn't want to know the political views of my coach and my teacher and I didn't ask in elementary school <laughs> because now I have the opportunity to know all these things and it's not making, them love, it's not making me love them any easier. It's not causing me to pray for them any better. It's not causing me to want to be in their lives to any more depth. Social media gives us an image that we present to the world. Unfortunately, as a vice, it also gives us the temptation that somehow now we're allowed to just be as free as we'd like to be. We can unburden ourselves from all the social niceties, and we can kind of celebrate um, the dramatic, oh, what a, what a well-put word. We can celebrate the ostentatious. When in reality, none of those things are really true about relationship as it relates to our walk before Christ. Um, a lot of the teachings in the Anglican tradition and through Christian, Christian life broadly as it relates to what are the teachings over the centuries about how to live the Christian life, there's a focus on contentment, and there's a focus on this concept of sobriety. And when we think of sobriety, we often think about refraint from alcohol and has some origins there. But sobriety also means kind of an even temperament that we are not so easily tossed to and fro. If we think about the teachings of Jesus about the storm hitting the house and what is the house built on and we think about what, is our, what are our lives built on, it's that when the difficulties of life come, we're not so easily tossed to and fro because we're anchored to the rock. And social media gives us this kind of, um, it's a very tempting uh, temptation. It gives us kind of this free pass. Perhaps we should not be so cautious with our words. Perhaps we can just spout off on the latest thing. And it's okay to have discourse and it's okay to have thoughts, but what I want to submit to you related to this teaching of Jesus is that as it relates to our witness, our words, even our online words, can be a barrier to others and a barrier for our own hearts. It can be a barrier to judge others. And it's a bit insidious because social media is always available to us. And I'm using the word social media, but I could use the word texts. I could use wherever you have this urge to get into a long-term argument that's unbound by time. 
That's what I'm trying to say. Wherever you have this temptation, maybe it's in your group family text. Maybe it's in your group Google photo share. I mean, literally, there's all these ways that we can now argue with people and, and, and get into it with them. And it, it ignores the basic teachings of Jesus about forgiveness and about conflict. If your brother or sister is, is causing you to sin, if you have conflict with them, go to them first one-on-one. -on -one. This is the teachings of Jesus. And if you cannot convince them, bring another with you. And I was reminded recently talking about forgiveness that the other with you should be a neutral party. <laughs> it shouldn't just be someone who will side with you. It should be someone who can really come with you and help bring peace into the relationship. And that's because things that are in darkness, that is where sin lives. So we bring things out into the light. And there's a way in which social media and technology veil us in darkness, morph the views. It's as though we can see of our neighbor what we want to see of them, and, and that, that somehow now defines them. And it's a bit how society handles especially Twitter in terms of, ah, we've, we've known for sure they've said something incorrect. That's it. We must cut it off. There's that societal tendency. But the tendency of Jesus, where he ends his teachings around the, the next verse is as much as possible, live at peace with others, right? This is verse 49. Now, he ties this into where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And you might think to yourself just for a moment, where does that come from? Where are these words where the, their fire does not die? And the words that Jesus uses related to this passage come from Isaiah 66. So I'm going to give you a sense of what that reads like. Isaiah 66, starting at verse 22. For just as the new heavens and the new earth which I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your descendants and your name endure. And it shall be from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath. All my, mankind will come to bow down before me, says the Lord. Then they will go out and look at the corpses of the people who have rebelled against me. For their worm will not die and their fire will not be extinguished. And they will be an abhorrence to all mankind. You think, well, that is a very prophetic word. And the prophetic word out of Isaiah is talking about this ultimate sense of the children of, of God and the children who do not relate to God. And Jesus is making this tie-in to reemphasize his point that what you do in your sins, what you do in your sins has some ultimate connection if they're not addressed. It's like an underline from the Old Testament. If you have an area that is causing you obvious sin, take it seriously. Take it seriously. Now, I want to spend a moment uh, before I go back to tying some practicals on the social media piece to talk about something we're also learning um, from society. And that is, for some people, social media and other forms of entertainment are also are, are more in the category of a compulsion, right? And so sometimes when we can get into the teachings of Jesus and we get into the teachings of spiritual formation, there is a Christian tendency to ignore what we're learning about compulsion and compulsive behavior. And, I, and this is true when it comes to gambling, 
This is true when it comes to other types of sins. And so what I'm not saying is that somehow on our own we just can strong arm every temptation that comes our way. For some people that's not very possible. And for whom an excellent, good Christian counselor can help you in this process if, if it's compulsive, compulsory behavior. And I say compulsive because the studies are starting to show us that among the younger generation, um, everything from compulsion to gaming to social media can be something where you, you, know, you have some people spending eight to 10 hours a day on social media. So if you're listening to this or you're here or you know someone like this, a simple teaching to tell them to stop if you're spending eight to 10 hours a day on social media is not going to easily happen without a stronger intervention. But for those of us for whom it has not reached the point of compulsion, we can say, well, what are some principles? Because yes, there may be a period where we have to pause from social media, pause from the argumentation, pause from the texts. But then what are some things that we can apply from the teachings of Jesus that help guide us? And I want to just, uh, with the time we have left, focus on one, which is a sense of holy restraint. And I want to uh, testify about my own journey with holy restraint as a way to talk about this. 2020 was quite a year, wasn't it? We were all living it, the pandemic, the election, threats of war with countries. It was a hard year. It's a stressful year. You didn't know what was going to happen. Those early days I can remember during the pandemic, they, they weren't sure how it was transmitted. So one group said, well, what you need to do is take your groceries and, and put Clorox on your hands. And it was real. I have a ridiculous picture of me on Instagram with gloves on. And it, it's all fine, but it just shows the stress of the year, the things that we had to go through and the things that we were thinking about. And that may have been different for you. But what I want to say is I had this tendency born out of our society and one of the adult idolatries in our society, which is the idolatry of politics. We have an idolatry of politics. It becomes how we view each other. It becomes whether we think we should have fellowship with each other. It's in that sense a bit diabolical because it can wreck relationships and push us into places we shouldn't be in judgment of our neighbor. How could it be someone has voted for this person? All these sorts of things. That's idolatry at its core. It's not to say we shouldn't have judgments about our politics, but there can be an idolatry that separates us. And I found myself getting caught up in this idolatry, getting caught up and making sure, oh, we really know the stakes of the election. And I thought to myself, ooh, I'm starting to get into some nasty conversations with people that I normally love and care for. And there was a certain point near the election where in my devotional and prayer life, there was just this strong sense, stop, pause, restraint. And I will not say that I'm perfect at this, but I am committed to restraint as it relates to politics on my social media feeds. Not because the stakes are not important, but because the damage I can do to relationships that God may ask me to minister in is too high. It's too high. It's not to say I shouldn't exercise my, my political philosophies and, and all the sorts of things that we're invited to do and voter registration, all that. I'm not saying that. But when we besmirch others as unlovable, unrelatable, and we put the politics above our commonality in Jesus, it's an idolatry for which restraint is the proper response. 
So as I close, the teachings of Jesus on cut off the hand, gouge the eye, cut off the foot, it's meant to say, brothers and sisters, sin is serious. And as it relates to your witness, it's very serious. So I would invite you as we close to take a moment and think, oh, well, maybe it's not those things, but are there areas where I'm getting into useless argumentation? And can I put on holy restraint or at least start to think about it? Thank you, friends. God bless.